All right. Praise the Lord. We bless the Lord for all his goodness and for all his mercy. We thank the Lord because he's always doing great things. Um, there really is not a time where uh, that I can think of where God has not been good. Uh, so we won't lay any false claims to God. We're going to go ahead and tell the truth. God is good all the time. Brothers and sisters, this is another message in the Bible Matters series. Um, this one's been on my heart for a while to do. The Lord has been um, um, leading me to, to go ahead and do this. The purpose of this particular one is to cover the topic of salvation. Now, it's not meant to be um, this whole deep, deep, deep dive into every single crevice and instance of the Bible. No, no, we're not getting into all of that. But what this is uh, designed to do is to give you a blueprint of what biblical salvation looks like what you need to do, what is expected of you uh, to do um, and uh, not to do, actually. Uh, the purpose of this is also to kind of dispel uh, some things regarding salvation because uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the Christian church in many ways is divided and fractured. We have so many different denominations and all of these things out there that it can be very difficult to, um, to, uh, to understand and decipher. Now, the purpose of this also is to give you and what the Bible says. Now, when it comes to salvation, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, you, you, I want you to understand something. I, it, you, it, you, if you're going to be saved, you're going to have to do it the Bible way. Okay. What does that mean? That means that you're not going to be able to do it the denominational way, uh, whatever denomination you are from or whatnot. God is not into denomination. He doesn't care about that. So let me just go on ahead and put it on record. Denomination is trash before God. That don't have nothing to do with God. Denominations is nothing more than an invention of men, people who cannot get along for one reason or another. God is not in it. God ain't never been in it. Um, and honestly, God doesn't want you to be in that mentality. Nevertheless, many people today attend a church um, that um, is um, um, swayed by a denomination and 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 um, and, and it's unfortunate that it's that way, but just because it's that way does not mean that you have to buy into all of that. If you stick with the Bible and you do what the Bible says do, you're going to be all right. Okay. You are going to be all right. Now, let me explain a couple things. This probably for um, a bit of background for uh, those who, um, um, who, who may need to know there are some things that 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 um, that we get lost on and there are um, scriptures um, that we get lost on because we don't understand them and because we don't understand them we start getting all off uh, off road and, um, and and before you know it we're much further away but let's talk about salvation um, according to what the Bible actually teaches. What is salvation? Okay. What is, what, what is that? When we start talking about it, what is it? Biblical salvation family um, has multiple terms in the Bible um, that all refer to the same divine act or uh, process. Okay. 
Um, and it is really that process of being rescued or that divine act of being rescued, okay? Um, the most common term um, and um, the one uh, in use today and, and the one that we will, will, will use is that of being born again. When we talk about being born again, um, that is talking about salvation or being saved. And this is very interesting here, okay? Because the very concept of being born again implies that there is a way to be born a second time, obviously, because we have the word again, which, which obviously when tacked on to born means that it's happened once and it needs to happen again or it can happen again. Now, when we talk about salvation, it is imperative that you come away and have the correct understanding, okay? This lesson is gonna challenge you because many of you um, who will listen to this at some place, all you know is for the most part is um, some sort of denominational view of salvation. Okay, meaning that most times uh, people's salvation, um, um, the way they get it is according to the way a denomination uh, views it. But you can't do that because God is not denominational. Okay, God is holy and God don't have multiple churches. Now, I understand that and I know that goes in the face of what people think, but, uh, but, uh, but just take that as a newsflash. God don't have more than one church. God has one church. Okay, and it is as fractured as it is because more often than not, we can't get along. So that's why we have all these um, denominations. That's why it seems to be that way anyway. We just want everybody got their own interpretation, their own thing. It's gotta be according to the Bible. God does not want us to be confused on the topic of salvation, okay? Every, 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 every true believer should know the following three things according to the scripture. Now notice what I said, you need to know this according to the scripture. Why? So that you can unplug from the denominational view. You got to get it according to the scripture. When you get it according to the scripture, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's gonna challenge you. It is, it challenged me. Because what we're teaching and what we're sharing with you, I can honestly, um, I can honestly um, remember when I had a different view, and it, and it, and I, 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 I can remember all of that. But, but, Amen, and praise be to God that He's patient and He works with you, and starts sending you the message, sending what you need, and then, and if you have a heart to open up to God and to receive, you're gonna get it. Now I make no, I, I hide, I do not hide the fact that some of you listening, you will not get this. You won't because your heart is hard because you're steeped in what you've been doing. And for some of you, you don't want anything else. And because you don't want anything else, well, you're not gonna get anything else. But others of you are going to get something. And, I'm, and it is my prayer that God not only just gives it to you, but he gives it to you real, real good. See, God doesn't want us to be confused about the topic of salvation, okay? And every true believer needs to know 
the following things when it comes to salvation. They need to know what salvation is according to scripture. They need to know how to receive salvation according to scripture. And guess what? They need to know how to know when they've received it according to scripture. So these are things that I've, you know, that I've, that, that uh, it's what we're going to work with um, today. The book of Acts, I want to start with something here. I want you to turn to the book of Acts. I want you to look at verse uh, chapter 16. I want you to look at verse 30. So Acts 16 and 30. And this is one of those lessons where get your Bible out, get your pen out. And be sure to take notes or type notes or whatever it is that you're going to want to do, because this is going to be enough, my goodness, that God is going to feed us with the bread of heaven. And this is something that you're actually going to be able to take and give to somebody else who may not have an understanding. Now, if people want to argue and be contentious, I, I don't I don't mind. Well, I'm not going to listen to them anyway. And I invite you not to listen to them. A per you can't do anything about a person whose heart is hard. If they don't want it, you can't give it to them. You cannot put something in a closed hand. Once that person makes a fist and closes it up, it doesn't matter what you do. Whatever you try to give them, it's not going to get in there. Those are battles that are for the Lord. Let him wage those fights. All we are responsible for doing is sharing it the, word, the way the Bible says. It ain't our responsibility if somebody who got a hard heart don't get it. That, that, that we, we just pray that they come to it. Amen. Acts 16 and 30 says this, and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Amen. 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 What must I do to be saved? Here in the book of Acts, we have a we have a question that is being posed, amen, to, to, um, to the apostles. What must I do to be saved? The word of God has gone forth at this point, um, and, 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 and knowledge from heaven has taken place. And now there comes an honest question. What must I do to be saved? To be saved, friend, you must first become a blank slate. This is the first thing you gotta do. You gotta become a blank slate, especially if you have been going to church and you're in some sort of denomination and, 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 and who knows what. Because you're going to learn some things today that's going to help you. And you might find that, oh, wait a minute, I might need to go back and re-examine some things. And that's what this message is for. That's what this lesson's for. To be saved, you have to first become a blank slate. By that, I mean an open heart. You got to have an open heart. Open heart and open mind. Devoid of preconceived ideas and notions about how to be saved. There's so much stuff out there that people got all the wrong information. And, and a reason, and, and a big reason why people can't, are not saved 
is because they think they got it already. But they don't realize that what they have is not according to the word of God. You have to be a blank slate. You got to open your heart. You have to open your mind and you have got to remove preconceived ideas. You literally, if you're going to get it, if you're going to get what God has for you in this area of salvation, in his will that all men be saved, that's his will. Glory to God. God want everybody to be saved. He know everybody not going to be saved, but he still want it. And he still makes it available to all men. Amen. Amen. You've got to get rid of the preconceived ideas and notions, the stuff that you think you know, all the stuff that you done got from, from, <laughs> from seminary and all this other kind of stuff or somebody who supposed to know or whatever and, and just coming up with all this and they got a thousand and one doctrinal terms or whatever it is, but they ain't got no spirit at all. No, 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 that ain't gonna work. That, that, that's going to have you, you going to walk away with some kind of Frankenstein of a salvation, not the real deal, some sort of patchwork job, and it ain't going to fly. No, no, no. Because if you're going to get to heaven, you got to have the genuine article. And if you're going to have the genuine, genuine article, it got to be the way God has it laid out. And it cannot, absolutely must not be any other way. In fact, it will not be any other way. He's not going to let it be. Amen. That's why you got to let go of, your, of what you think and your ideas. God don't care how you think it's supposed to work. He about to tell you how it worked. He's already told you how it worked. Today, we're just going to uncover some of those things. Amen. And if at any point as we go on through it, you realize that what you did don't line up with what he's saying you got to do, throw out what you got and go and get what he said. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, I know I had to do it. And I praise God for his mercy and for his grace that he allowed, he allowed that to happen. He allowed me to do that, allowed me to understand it. Now, so you got to throw out these preconceived ideas. You got to be ready. You, can, you cannot approach this with the mindset that I, I already know what I'm supposed to do. So pretend that you don't. Pretend that you never heard it and you, about the, you've never heard the, the, you've never heard it. Amen. And you're hearing it for the first time. Okay, salvation number one doesn't take place without a belief in the gospel. Now, the gospel message, amen, is the virgin birth, the life, the death, the burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus was born of a virgin. Amen. Amen. That means that guess what? He didn't have no earthly father. Glory to God. He was not conceived that way. No, no, that body was placed. It was placed there. God, 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 it, it was a divine act. He was born of a virgin. He lived among men. He went around doing working all manner of miracles and righteousness and all of these different things. You read in the scripture and you will read about what? The life of Jesus. Jesus is real. Amen. Amen. The death, he was crucified. Convicted on, on, on false charges paying for crimes that he did not commit. No, he did not commit, not one. He was innocent, innocent. Nevertheless, he knew that that was gonna happen and he came so that it could happen. Why? Because you needed a way out of sin. God created you for fellowship with him. God created you to be his family. 
back in the garden, but sin came in and tore it all up. And sin demanded that it be paid for. And the wages of sin is death. Somebody had to die. Why somebody? Because it was a man that messed up. So it had to be a man to pay for it. Amen. But no man was qualified. Why? Because the criteria for that man was that he needed to be sinless. And there wasn't no man that was sinless. The Bible says none was righteous. No, not one. Nevertheless, it was still required. The only one who met the sinless criteria was God himself. And this is why the Bible teaches us that God prepared himself a body. He already had the sinlessness, but what he did not have was a human body. It was a, it, humanity messed up. So it had to be humanity to pay for that. So he created himself a body, amen. He went to the cross and he sacrificed that body. He laid it down. No man taketh my life, but I lay it down. That's what Jesus said. And he said, and if I lay it down, guess what? I got power to take it up again and take it up. He did. He rose on the third day with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. Glory to God. He's ascended on to on high to heaven and he's coming back for a church without a spot or a wrinkle. Now that, friends, is the gospel message. What is the gospel? Well, Romans 1 teaches us that it is the power of God unto salvation. That message that I just gave you is the number one prerequisite. You must believe that. If you do not believe that, you will not have salvation. You cannot have that. So that part alone, you, you, you turn it over in your mind. Open your heart, open your mind. Because you can't have salvation without believing that. That is what we believe. That is what the believer believes. That is what we hold on to. That is the truth of the child of God, the Christian. That is what we believe. That is what is required for you to believe if you are going to receive salvation. If you think that you can have salvation devoid of the gospel, you are deceiving yourself. And not just you, but the devil is deceiving you. He don't want you to think that you have to do that. Why? Because the gospel message does not, it don't jive with, it don't, it don't, it don't, it don't play well with reason and logic. But the Lord chose the, 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 the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He did it on purpose. God knew it wasn't going to make sense to your mind. Why? Why did he do it? Because he wanted you to walk by faith. He gave you something that would require faith in order for you to hold on to. And my goodness, you're not gonna get salvation with anything less than faith. You've got to believe that gospel. You have to, you have to, you have to. 
Nevertheless, Acts 16.30 says, what must I do to be saved? You have to have that open heart. You have got to be in that blank slate. You got to be ready to receive. You got to get rid of the preconceived ideas and all that other kind of stuff. Why? Because it requires that to honestly ask that question. What must I do to be saved? And my friend, that is the right question that many people are not asking. If ever there was a question to be asked, that is it. What must I do to be saved? And my goodness, you better get an answer for that question before you check out on this side. You better make sure you get that question answered. The Bible tells me that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, what? The judgment. Yes, yes, yes. What must I do to be saved? The right question and the best question that hardly nobody's asking sometimes it seems. But I believe that you're listening to it. You're, you got that open heart. And I believe that God is, is, is moving on you and you're answering that question. You're asking that question. Now, why, why this? Because see, it's not just a, it's not just a desire to be saved that one needs, okay? Understand this. It is not just a desire to be saved that one needs in order to be saved. No, no. Yes, you need to desire it, but it's not just that. It's not just a desire for the sake of a desire. But one must desire to be saved according to the scripture, according to the way God alone provided. See, God provides salvation, but he provides it a certain way. And it's not just that you must desire to be saved. You got to be, you got to desire to be saved according to the way that God has provided. Because why? That is the only way. And if you don't want it his way, then you actually don't want it at all. Amen. Amen. I know that's a little tough. I know it's a little strong, but you need to hear it. You need to know. It's a whole lot of people you want to be saved. And I'm going to tell you what your problem is right now. You want salvation according to you. According to your first name and your last name, but it don't work that way. Mm -mm, it's never worked that way. And it ain't going to start working that way. The Lord said by his own arm. By his own arm as he got himself salvation. You can listen. <laughs> Look, it's God's way. or no way. There is no other way. And if you're going to desire to be saved, when you ask the question, what must I do to be saved? You want to ask that from a place of desiring to be saved according to what God says. In other words, what that means is that I got a mindset and I got a heart that says, Lord, I want what you have. And I'm willing to do what you said. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ, listen, is the foundation of true salvation. Why? Because he is salvation. He is the foundation of salvation because he is salvation. Him, him alone. Amen. Jesus is salvation. In fact, it's his name, Jesus. 
Jehovah has become our salvation. <laughs> That's really what that is. God has become our salvation. Amen. Jesus Christ, who the scripture teaches, is God. He alone is also the only basis from which a man, a woman, a boy, or girl. He is the only platform. He is the only basis by which the human family can connect to and have relationship with God Almighty, because he is God. And the way of salvation, you got to understand, it's bigger than what you just learned in some ridiculous seminary school somewhere that want to teach you all of these men doctrine and philosophies and all that other kind of stuff. Uh-uh, man, you got to get away from that. Get away from all of that stuff before it drag you right to hell and get in the word. Get on your knees in prayer and talk to God. The author of this word is still alive. And my goodness, he's talking. He's talking and he's talking to you right now. He's tugging on your heartstrings, pulling at you. Asking you when you're going to come back. When are you going to come back to him? Jesus Christ alone is the basis, family. He is God. And he alone is the basis or the platform for which we can connect to him and have a relationship with God. Because you got to understand something. Because Jesus is God, the way of salvation is so, look, this is why the way that God has it laid out is important and why you must give it credence above and beyond are your own preconceived ideas. You got to throw your stuff out and you got to latch on to his. Why? Because Jesus is God. And the way to salvation is actually the way by which God is allowing you to approach him. In other words, <laughs> it's not just the way to salvation. But it is the only way by which God is going to deal with you. He is not going to save you via anything else. You got to do it his way. You got to do it his way. If you have breath in your body, my goodness, you got to do it his way. You got to do it. Glory to God. You got to do it his way. Because he's God. It is his prerogative to choose the way or the method by which you relate to him. You don't get to weigh in on it. I don't get to weigh in on it. So to have a salvation that is based on what somebody told me and not what God himself told me is utterly ridiculous. Man, that is Russian roulette in the high. Man, I am taking a, a serious chance. And he already telling you, you're going to come up short. You know, it ain't going to work. No, it won't. See, you and I cannot build a foundation, do you understand this, different 
than the one already laid. The one that's already laid is Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to look at verse 9 through 11. The Bible says this, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 11, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation. Watch this. And another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Why? Look at verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, what we're talking about is the foundation. We're talking about the pathway to God, the way to God. Remember, Jesus is the true foundation of salvation. Why? Because he is salvation. And what the Bible is telling you, what the writer here or the apostle is telling us here in Corinthians is, is that you cannot have another foundation. What he's telling you is you can build upon, we build upon the foundation. We build on top of the foundation. What do you build on top of the foundation? You build a house. What does the house consist of? What does that actually metaphorically represent? It represents the way you live. Your life, the way you live, is the house. But that house got to be founded on a foundation. What is that foundation? Your salvation. What is it based on? Jesus Christ. Why is it based on him? Because he is the foundation. He is salvation. Glory to God. See how that works? For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid. What this means, family and friends, is, is that it is not possible to create another pathway to God. Do you not hear the Lord telling you that he is the straight gate? He is the gate to the sheepfold. Do you not hear all this, that he is the, he is the way, the truth, and the light? You can't come no other way. Matter of fact, he tells us in one scripture that if, if you come in any other way, that person is a thief and a robber. You ain't getting in. No, 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 no. Salvation has one foundation. That foundation is Jesus Christ because he is salvation. So the foundation is him. And if you are going to be saved, then you need him. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. See how that works? Look how God just ties all that stuff together beautifully. Just ties it together beautifully. Now let's dig a little bit further. Let's pull, let's, let's, let's really get into this. Look at Proverbs chapter four, verse two. First and foremost, you need to understand something. So we know so Jesus, who is God, he is, the, he is the foundation. Now, let's talk about our instruction set. Let's talk about what God wants us to, what, let, let's talk about uh, what God wants us to do. At least the first aspects of it, okay? Proverbs 4 and 2 says this, for I give you good doctrine. A lot of people don't even know this. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. That's God talking, amen, amen. And notice what he said. God said, I give you good doctrine. And then he tell you what to do with it. Don't forsake it. What does that mean? Don't leave it alone. Don't leave it undone. That's what that means. 
He said, I give you good doctrine. Doctrine simply means teaching or subject of the teacher or what it is that the teacher um, teaches or teaches about. So in other words, if I was an algebra teacher uh, or a math, um, uh, uh, a mathematics teacher and, 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 and I wasn't teaching you all necessarily uh, all, all of er everything there is to know about mathematics, but let's just say I was teaching you calculus, okay? Well, calculus would be my doctrine. You understand what I'm saying? It's my subject. It's what I'm teaching you. Amen. And the Lord God Almighty said, I give you good doctrine. Now, I want you to understand something. He did not say here, this Old Testament, I give you good doctrines. He didn't say plural. He said, I give you good doctrine. This here is meant to encompass the entire scope of what God gives you from Genesis to Revelation. Glory to God. And what he's telling you is, is, is that he's giving it to you. God Almighty's giving it to you. And it is his preference that you don't leave it on the cutting room floor. Forsake not my law is what he's talking about. Okay. Now I want you to look at St. John. I want to look at uh, the gospel of John. I want you to look at chapter 14. I want you to look at verse 15. Amen. So God says, I give you good doctrine, right? Now watch what Jesus tells us something to do. Because if you're going to have salvation, we need to establish, we need to establish the, some of the ground rules here, okay? Saint uh, Gospel of John 14, 15 says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's Jesus talking, who is God Almighty. So in other words, what are we saying? That's God talking to us. And he's telling you something. He said, Remember in Proverbs, he said, for I give you good doctrine. And he says, forsake ye not my law, which means don't leave it undone. Then he reiterates it again in, God, in the gospel of John 14, 15. And he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So he says, I give you doctrine and I don't want you to leave it undone. But the person that is going to do it is going to be the one that loves me. Amen. 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 You cannot be saved if you do not love God. Because if you do not love God, you're not going to do what he says do. And if you do not do what he says do, then you will remain in your sins. And you know where that leads. Now, let's build on this. Watch this now. So we got God talking. Amen. Amen. Now look at when we move to, we go, I want you to turn to the book of Acts. I want you to look at chapter two and I want you to look at verse 42. It says this, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Uh-oh. So now we got God said, I gave you good doctrine. But now when we get to the book of Acts, and we have Jesus telling us in the gospel, telling us that you got to follow his commandments. Amen. Which mean, which really means that good doctrine that I gave you, I want you to keep it. I want you to follow it. And then, and the person that loves me is the one that's going to do it. But now when you get to Acts and we're into the, now we're into the, uh, the formal church age, so to speak. Amen. 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 And, 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 and let me just put this in here. If you want to know how the church operated or is supposed to operate, in today, you cannot do that with your eyes shut to the book of Acts. 
It is the history, it contains the history of the first church and how they operated. Amen. Now, Acts 2.42 says this, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Amen. And fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Amen. So we start out with God giving us, God says, I give you good doctrine. Amen. I give you good doctrine. But then, and he tells us to follow it. But then when we get to the book of Acts, we see that what the church did, what they were doing, that they stood steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So now we got to understand what is the apostles' doctrine? Because God told us, he gave us good doctrine and he want us to follow that. But now when we get to Acts, we, all of a sudden we have the apostles, right? And now he, the, and, and, and what the church actually did was follow the apostles' doctrine. This is what this is teaching. This is what this is teaching. So then the question comes up, who are we supposed to listen to? Because you'll be surprised at how many people get it twisted right in here. But we're going to straighten it all out by God's permission. Glory to God. See, we are instructed to obey family. Let's tie it together. We are instructed to obey what the apostles teach. Amen. Amen. The example of the apostles must be followed. Why? Because it is the equivalent to following the Lord Jesus. Uh-oh, how do you know that? Well, why would you, where are you coming up with that? Look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, turn to verse 16. Bible says this, Luke 10, 16. He that heareth you, heareth me. This is Jesus talking to the disciples, to the apostles. He that heareth you, heareth me. And he that despiseth you, that mean reject you. That mean turn away from what you say. That mean neglect to do what you say. Despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. So what he's saying is you need to understand. We are commanded to hear and obey. The words that come out of the, the apostle's mouth. And when we don't do it, it is the equivalent, it is equal to not hearing and doing what God Almighty says. Amen. You got to know it. You got to know it. You got to know it. This is serious business. It is serious business. Look at Saint, look at 2 John chapter 10. Let me 2 John. Amen. And I want you to look at verse 10. And 2 John tells us this, if there come any unto you, listen at the apostle talking here, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not. Into your house, neither bid him God speed. Do you hear God, how serious he is about us following what the apostles laid down? Does that make you apostolic? Absolutely not. Ain't no such thing as apostolic. 
the way of God is called holy. It's not called apostolic and nothing else. The apostles and the prophets were holy. Following the doctrine that is laid down is walking in holiness. Amen. Amen. I want to make sure we get all that. We're moving all trash out the way. We're not getting caught up in nothing that men have invented. We don't need that. The devil got enough people jumping through circus hoops and all other kind of stuff behind stuff that ain't even in the Bible. God ain't never told nobody to be apostolic. And I'm about to prove it. He told us to be holy. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, Receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. What doctrine? What's he talking about? Remember? In Proverbs, the Lord said, I, God said, behold, I give you what? Good doctrine. That's all his instructions, all his rules, that's everything. Amen. Doctrine is the rule set of heaven. Amen. Amen. Look at Galatians chapter one, verses six through 10. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Notice what he says. It ain't, he says, and it ain't really another gospel, but you got some people who gonna change the gospel. When you change the gospel, you understand something. The message of the gospel, you're changing doctrine. Verse eight, but though we are, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have, which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be what? A curse. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So he's telling you, it's, there ain't no other gospel. It's just God's gospel. And if you come across or somebody bring across to you a message, a gospel or a doctrine, in other words, that is different than what the apostles preached, he says, it don't matter if it's a man or if it's an angel. And let whoever that is be accursed. So following what they said, remember, question is, who do we listen to? And God is saying that when you obey what the apostles said, you are obeying what he said. Now, let's talk about the limitations of the apostle. Amen. The limitation of the apostle. Because people get confused on various scriptures in the Bible. And they start to think that there's more than one way. And we're going to examine that um, today. 
In fact, one of uh, such um, confusions comes in between when you look at the Gospel of John chapter three, verses one through eight, and you compare that in comparison to Romans chapter, uh, to uh, Romans um, chapter 10, amen. And you go in there, especially verse nine. People have a lot of trouble with that because denominationalism and a whole bunch of other stuff done got in there and twisted up stuff and perverted things. So people struggle with that. Well, we're going we're to endeavor in by the aid of the Lord to, to uncover some of these things and, and clear out a lot of that, a lot of that confusion. Amen. 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 So with that, then we know now the Lord said, I give you good doctrine and don't forsake my law. So don't neglect to do it. Jesus said, the person that's going to do it is going to be the one that loves me. And Jesus is God. So God then further tell, told you that the one that's going to follow his law, the one that's going to follow his doctrine, amen, is going to be the one that loves him. Amen. 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 And then he tells us, and then he commands us to obey and to listen to what the apostles say. Amen. They walk with God. They were hand taught by God. Amen. And they were given some uh, a set of instructions that you see carried out in the book of Acts. This is why I don't be, don't move too quick. You get a whole lot of people with twisted up stuff. And I'm going to tell you right now, because they jump to all the other letters in the Bible and they skip all over the book of Acts. My goodness, you can't have it together. You can't interpret the other stuff without the book of Acts, right? You got to have the whole thing. Amen. 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 So then he tells us we got to listen to the apostles. So we got to follow their instruction, what they're telling us to do. And that and, and the apostles tell us, lay down some group, some group, some, some groundwork and some rules. They tell us, listen, don't, don't listen. If anybody come with some kind of doctrine other than what they getting ready, what, other than what they laying down, he says, don't even listen to them. He said, don't invite them to your house and don't and don't and don't you bid them Godspeed. That means don't you don't you pronounce no blessing over them. Don't even do it. Then in Galatians, he tells us, he tells us that if anybody come with another gospel, hello, anybody come with another gospel, it don't matter if it's a man or if it's a, a, a woman, a boy or a girl or an angel, it don't matter who it is. If they come with something different, the apostles was telling them there's a curse on them. Amen. Amen. This is why the apostle further tells us in the epistle of John to, you know what I'm saying? That if anybody come to you and bring not this doctrine, don't even receive them. Why? Because on that person has been pronounced a curse. Everything they got to offer is cursed. Amen. Amen. Just making it plain, making it plain, making it plain. So we got this mandate where now we got to listen and we got to follow the apostles. But now if that's case, then we need to set some ground rules or whatever, because are we supposed to, in order to us to have confidence in what the apostles are laying, giving us, then we need to understand the limitations of what the apostles had on. Well, what was the limitation? Did you know that there was one? Yes, there's a limitation on it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Matthew chapter 28, and I want you to look at verse 20. And when you read it, as I read along, I want you to read it real good. 
let it soak right in. Matthew 28 and 20. This is the limitation of the apostle. Or this is the groundwork. This is the framework that they operate in. This is Jesus talking to the apostles and sending them out with instruction. And in verse 20, look at the groundwork. He says, teaching them. He's telling them what to do. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. Did you hear that? The limitation, the restriction placed on the apostle, on the man of God, is that they teach the people to observe, or in other words, be obedient to whatsoever things Jesus commanded. The apostles were never authorized to teach their own way, their own philosophy, their own ideas, none of it. Glory to God. They were not authorized to teach anything other than what Jesus taught. And this is why you must obey what the apostles teach. Why? Because they were instructed to say nothing other than what Jesus said. They were not allowed to teach outside the confines. They were not allowed to come up with something new. No, 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 no. They were not allowed. The apostles were not allowed to come up with anything new. They had to teach the doctrine of the apostles that they taught were whatsoever things they were taught of Jesus, God Almighty. That's why he told them. If they don't hear you, they ain't hearing him. Why? Because they could only talk about what they heard. Not what they come up with. Not what they come up with. So when it comes to salvation, you have to make sure if you're going to get salvation according to the Bible, it has to be according to what Jesus said, according to what the word says, and when the apostles are preaching and teaching and giving instruction, amen. You know what they're doing? They're in teaching and they're instructing according to what God Almighty gave. Glory to God. Now, if you look at John chapter three, verses one through eight, we have the story of Nicodemus. Amen. 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 We want to deal with, with, with this. And 
the Bible tells us there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered, said unto him, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, let me, let me, let me stop right here. I'm going to read verse four in a minute. Let me stop right here. You remember what I told you before? The apostles were only commanded. They were only allowed to redistribute the message that was distributed to them. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Do you hear what I'm telling you? You get a whole lot of people who get caught up on things like Romans 10 and 9, and they don't understand what's going on. But by God's permission, hopefully we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna straighten that out too and help you understand some things. You get a whole lot of people that get hung up on a whole lot of different little things because they forget what we just talked about, amen, in Matthew 28 and 20, which is the limitation or the framework or the restriction that is placed on the apostle. They were not allowed to just teach what they wanted. They could not teach a different way or a different method of salvation. Listen, in in John 3, 1 through 8, when Jesus said to Nicodemus, looking at verse number three, Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Listen, let me go forward. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whether it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these be these things be listen family you got to understand something when you take this and you and you tie it together with Matthew uh, 28 and 20 teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you when you couple this with that do you know what you are looking at do you realize what the scripture is telling you it is telling you that what God Almighty the Lord Jesus Christ taught in John 3 1 through 8 the apostles had to teach the same thing and if Jesus said except the man be born of the water and of the spirit it can't be nothing different if you go to one of the epistles and you walk away with a pathway to God that is different than this, then you misunderstood what the apostles was talking about. Why? Because they were restricted. God put fail-safes in place. God put mechanisms to prevent them from running amok. They were expressly commanded to only teach what he taught. So when somebody comes to you talking about you can be saved 
simply by just believing. And that's all they say? And then they turn around and base it on Romans? They don't understand it yet. They don't have the full picture. Because Jesus said, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit. What that mean? That means that not only do you believe, not only is that confession part of it, amen. But you gotta be baptized, glory to God, in the name of Jesus. You gotta be baptized in the water and you gotta be baptized with the spirit, glory to God. Got to receive that Holy Ghost. See, a lot of people don't understand that. And when you don't understand how the word of God is orchestrated or how it is connected or interconnected, when you do not understand these things, then you're going to misunderstand things. This is why we have to be moved and led by the spirit. And you have seminaries and you got all these, and I'm not, listen, I ain't against a seminary if they're teaching the right stuff. Not against it at all. I'm not hating. Nope, not at all. But when that seminary teaches anything that is contrary to my God, then I'm going to have a problem with that all day long because that word of God says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, then that which has been preached unto you, let him be accursed. I'm telling you right now, no, we won't. No, no, you got to No, no. That's why I told you from the start, you got to unplug from all the denominational stuff and just get that out the way. And you got to reset to back to the level, basically, of a little child blank slate where you ready to just hear and you're not going to pre pre make up uh, your mind before you even hurt. No, don't do that. See, the problem with preconceived notions and ideas, family. is that it makes it difficult for you and I to receive the simplicity of the gospel. And you got to understand the gospel is so deep. The depth of the gospel is really rooted in its simplicity. It's so deep, yet so simple that even a child can understand it. So why are we adults having so much problem? <laughs> why are we so messed up? Why are we so messed up? Why are we so confused? Baptism, well, let me say it this way. Let me put it. The, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me. Salvation is an act of grace. And salvation is free. But just because it's free, it doesn't mean that you don't have a role to play. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says this, for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not 
of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, there are two types of works in scripture. There's works works or works of the flesh. And then there are works of the spirit, which encompass the works that are initiated out of obedience. Amen. Amen. Salvation is a gift. It is an act of grace and it is free. And it is not something that you can get on your own. No. You were not able to save yourself. Jesus takes care of all of that. But if you're going to receive the salvation that he has for you, there is a work of faith. There are works that are produced by faith. Because after all, the book of James tells us that faith that works, that faith without works is dead, being alone. James 2, 17. It's incomplete. Amen. Faith doesn't Faith doesn't stop at mental assent. Oh, I agree in my mind. I agree in my, in my heart. I believe, no, 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 uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Real faith produces action, produces faith. It produces works, works of faith. So when you read in Matthew, in Ephesians, and he says, for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's talking about human works or works of the flesh. No, 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 it's not, no, 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 no. Works of obedience or works of faith don't fall under that category. Those are two, those are different things. And where a lot of people try to get, you know, try to make a case for just being able to just, just believe and confess and nothing else. Uh-uh. You know what the problem is right there? They don't have an understanding of works. Faith produces something. It produces obedience. And that obedience is in doing something. Amen. 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 Nevertheless, verse John 3, 7 says, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Salvation is a divine process or divine act. Why do we call it that? Because although we play a role in the process, we are unable to do the actual saving. God alone does that. Salvation is ultimately God's doing. Amen. Look at Isaiah 43, 11. I, even I am the Lord. And beside me, there is no what? Savior. Look at Hosea 13, 4. Yet I am the Lord thy God, 
from the from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me. For there is no savior beside me. Uh-oh, uh-oh. See, the New Testament tells us that Jesus is the savior. But the Old Testament tells us that God alone is the savior. Does the Bible contradict itself? No. Why? Because Jesus is God. Amen. 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 Jesus is God. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, look at 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I would not have, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Look at 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty-two. For who is God? Save the Lord. And who is the rock? Save our God. Uh-oh, do you see that? Corinthians told us Jesus was the rock. And then 2 Samuel told us God was the rock. They one in the same. They're one in the same. Jesus is that rock that offers that spiritual drink. And that spiritual drink is, well, guess what it is? It's salvation. There's only one God, Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hero Israel. The Lord our God is what? One Lord. Mark 12, 29. And Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is what? Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, let's look at this real quick here. And let's let's see if we can tie this. Um, let's see if we can tie this all. Uh, all, all, all together. This, this is uh, a bit of a lengthy lesson. So I know that you, uh, the purpose of this is for you to take it in parts. Okay. And as you listen through and listen to it, it's going to explain a lot of things. Okay. This is meant to be a little bit more um, than just a, just a, a normal lesson. So we, we're, we're taking our time with that. Amen. Amen. God is good. So just, just bear with me, keep your pen handy and all of that. And, 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 and if it's going too long, you just go ahead and press pause. And then you come back to it when you, uh, when you get your second win and finish this up, but don't miss this. Amen. This is good stuff. Amen. Amen. Now, the Lord is one. One Lord. Amen. Not two different gods, not seven different gods, not three different gods. No, none of that. There's only one God. Now, I've told you also beforehand. God says, I give you good doctrine and you got to, and I won't, and it's his preference that you listen. Don't let it go undone. He then further told us that if you love him, you're going to keep his commands. You're going to do what he's supposed to do. And then he tells you that, look, now if somebody come with you, come with some kind of the kind of doctrine or gospel or whatever it is, uh-uh, get that out of here. God says that's rejected. That's denied. God says, don't even be, don't even fool around with that person. Don't even let them come. Let them, you send, send them on their way. Amen. Amen. God said, I don't, don't, don't even, don't even, don't even deal with that. But then when you look at uh, when we look at Matthew, we learn 
that God and uh, um, and actually before that, and then the Lord tells us very you know very plainly in addition to that in addition to uh, um, to the reality that we need to listen and obey the apostles. Why? Because it is the equivalent of listening to Him. We also found out the reason why that is when we looked in to the uh, book of uh, Matthew, when we looked at Matthew chapter 28 and we looked at verse 20, teaching them to observe. This is Jesus talking to the disciples or to the apostles and he is telling them, he is giving them their instruction. And he is telling them to that you are to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Meaning you are supposed to tell them what I told you. That's it. Notice he don't give no room for anything else. Nothing. He gives no room at all for anything else. Now, I want you to turn because I want to deal with this and I want to get this. I want to get this in here because I want to tie this up because people have this. This has come up and people have this misunderstanding of, of, about it because there is a there is a thought in uh, modern Christianity. That's why you got to get to the Bible and get out that modern Christianity. You need to go back to the book of Acts. Go back to the Bible. Because this stuff, that other stuff is going to have you messed up. And that's the whole reason why we're taking all this time because we're trying to deprogram some stuff that because somebody got messed up. Now, if you look at Romans 10, one of the scriptures that people have the most problem with when it comes to salvation or mis highly misunderstood is Romans 10 and 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, uh, man <clears throat> believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Amen. 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 For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall what? Not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich. Amen. Unto all that call upon him for whosoever shall call amen watch that upon the name of the lord shall be saved now i'm gonna stop at 13 for right now now this is paul talking and what has happened to mainstream christianity as is they have taken this scripture and i used to believe it this way myself that's why i praise god for being delivered they have taken this scripture and they have used this scripture as a platform to teach doctrines that are inconsistent with God. In other words, they have used it unwittingly. Some of them didn't know, some of them do know. And what they are doing is that they have used this and they have laid another foundation. That's why I worked so hard on the beginning to talk about the foundation and that there, there's no other foundation other than Jesus and that there, another uh, foundation is not allowable. It's not allowed. But because people have misunderstood this, they don't realize that erroneously they have been building a different foundation. One that don't hold. Mm -mm. No, it don't. No, you build in a boat with holes in it. And it's going to sink. It sinks. It's going to sink all day long. They have misunderstood this. And the concept that they have walked away from is, is that all it takes 
is just believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. Even going so far as to say that, you know what, water baptism and all these things isn't necessary. Why? Because after all, Paul was saying, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, right? Wrong. This is why it is dangerous to take scripture out of context. When you do this, you throw it out of balance. And when you throw it out of balance, you come up with stuff that God don't want you to have. You get It gets all messed up. See, the reason why it happens this way, uh, friends, is, is because this scripture set is taken, just what I read you, and it is isolated from everything else most of the time. In other words, they take it just as that. See, to properly understand this scripture, you need to understand what's going on in the scripture set. And then one of the things that, that we're going to do by Lord's permission is that we're going to explain how it was. Amen. Amen. By the Lord's permission, we're going, we're going to try to explain. Amen. Why or how or what was actually going on here and what God wants us to take away from it. See, the problem is, is that, first of all, what people don't understand is, is they miss the very first part, which is the context of what's going on. Look at verse number one of chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they, what, might be saved. So the purpose of this whole set, what's happening here, is, is, is that the apostle here is telling you, he's setting the groundwork. This whole thing is about, is, is, is about salvation. And he starts out telling us that it's heart's desire is, is that all of Israel would be saved. And after all, that's consistent. Why? Because it's not God's will that any should perish. Amen. So a preacher or a man of God who only wants some to be saved and not all to be saved, that he, I don't know what kind of preacher he call himself, but he ain't a preacher of the most high. No, no, no. He ain't working for God at all. Every called man of God, I don't want everybody to be saved, even though he knows that they're not going to be. He ought to want them to. Amen. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Look at verse number two. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have what? Not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believe it. These first few verses set the context. And what you are looking at prior to getting into verse nine and all that other stuff, the, the writer is telling you I want everybody, I want Israel to be saved. I want all of them to be saved. And he says, and I give them credit. That's what he means when I bear them, I bear, I bear them record. They got a zeal for God. They got a heart for, they got a hunger for God. They, they want God. That's what he's saying. I acknowledge that. He said, but the problem is, is that it's not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness for, for, for our own righteousness 
having not submitted them, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So in essence, what Paul is actually saying here is, is that I want every, I want them to be saved and I give them and I give them credit. They, 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 they want God. They got a passion for God. But let me tell you why they're not going to get God. Do you see that? He said, I acknowledge that they want it. But let me tell you why they're not going to get it. This whole conversation, this is the groundwork or the big framework of the entire conversation that actually goes beyond verse 13 that says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't stop there. See, in verse number three, he says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now, that phrase there, not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God, it actually means something. He's basically saying, I want them all to be saved. And, I, and, and they want God, and I, and I bear them record. And they want to be saved. But I'm going to tell you why they're not saved. And he says it's because they have been going about to establish their own righteousness. How did they do it? By having not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Do you know what that means? That means the reason why they are not saved is because they would not do what God said do. Amen. 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 But Brother Walker, but when you go down, but he says, but if, you know, he says that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture said, whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Truly, Brother Walker, truly, that have to be it. It can't be nothing else right truly there isn't anything more to it that must be it Nothing to do other than that. And people who believe that, they don't understand. There are some things that they don't understand. You can't stop right there. 
It doesn't end right there. See, the reason why Paul could say this, and a lot of people didn't realize this, but I told you I'm going to help. I'm, I'm, I'm going to attempt to try to straighten this out. Paul was not trying to teach a pattern or a way to salvation that simply encompassed confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. No, that's actually part of it. Do you know why? The answer is found in Acts chapter 22, verse 16. See, the reason why Paul could say that is, is because this is what he did. This was part of what he went through. If you look at Acts chapter 22 and look verse 16, you're going to see a very unique scripture. This is after the Lord sends Ananias to restore the sight of Paul, whose name was Saul at the time before it was changed. Amen. And when he sends them and and, 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 and when he sends him to him, after Paul has his, or has this encounter, or Saul on the road to Damascus has this encounter with Jesus, Ananias gives him some instruction. And I want you to notice something. Romans 10 and 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Acts 22, you see the process that Paul went through. Take a look at it. And now, why tarriest thou? So he's gotten everything, got the message, got the word and everything. Arise. Be baptized, uh-oh, look at the framework, and wash away thy sins. <laughs> Here it go, do you see it? Calling on the name of the Lord. The Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little and there a little. When you take scripture and you isolate it from everything else, you come up with stuff that God only intend you to come up with. What you see in Romans 10 was not meant for you to take as the process in and of itself. No, it's part of it. Why? Because when he was baptized, this is what he did. He went down in water calling on the name of the Lord. But it was not meant to supplant or override what Jesus said, except the man be born again. He in no wise is going to enter the kingdom of heaven except you be born of the water and of the spirit. Acts 22 shows you the converge, shows you what Paul went through. 
Notice how Romans, now it all lines up with this. He's giving you parts of it. He's showing you, but, but listen, but you got to go back to the book of Acts to see the framework and notice what he did. There was something that happened in addition to calling on the name of the Lord, which he did as a result of believing. And that's what he was doing when he was confessing. Why? What, what did he do? He was baptized in the name of Jesus. And what did Jesus say? You got to be born of the water and of the spirit. But I just don't get that, Brother Walker. How do you know that's true? Go back to Romans chapter 10. People stop at verse 13. But they never keep reading down to verse 16. 14. For they, for then shall they call on, for how, how then? Shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. Notice that. And bring glad tidings of good things. Good things. Amen. And then here it goes. Verse 16, what this is, is the culmination. Remember, this is all in the context or in the confines of a conversation of Paul that he is giving or dialogue that Paul is giving where he is explaining how I want everybody, I want them all to be saved, but it's a conversation where he is discussing why they are not saved. And it goes... To verse, and it, you can't stop at 13. You got to go to 16. And he says this, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Uh-oh, what does that mean? To obey the gospel means simply, I'm just going to make it plain. It means that you have to do what the Bible says do. No, you can't just confess. No, you can't just believe. You got to go down in water and you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Not only that, but before that, you know what else you commanded to do? You got to repent. Acts 17, 30 and 31. And the, time, and the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all, but now commandeth all men everywhere to what? Repent. Why? Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. You know who that man is? You know who that is? That's Jesus Christ. Wherefore he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. That means the fact that he rose, that validated the fact that you need to follow and obey what he said. He showed you he was stronger than hell, he was stronger than death, and he was stronger than grave. 
then the grave when he got up on resurrection ground. And if you don't do what he says do, you're going to be judged by what he said. That's what he's telling you. Not only that, guess what? You baptize, you're commanded to be baptized in water, Matthew 28. Look at verses 18, going to verse 19. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Remember, we just did that in verse 20. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. How did that play out? He said, you got to get them. He said, you got to be baptized in the name. Glory to God. You got to be baptized in the name. In the name, not names, name. There is a name. There is one name that belongs to the father. One name that belongs to the son. One name that belongs to the Holy Spirit. It is the name of the one God. The one we didn't know in the Old Testament, but was revealed in the New. It is the name Jesus Christ. These titles encompass or fall under the banner of one name. And it got to be in, in that name. Why? Acts 4. Chapter 10, verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at not of you builders, there's that foundation again, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Got to be done in the water. You got to have the water too. Uh-uh. You got to, it ain't just believing. It ain't just confessing. You got to go down in water. Brother Walker, is it really necessary? Mark 16, 15 and 16. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be what? Damned. Now, I hope you hear it. Now, I hope you hear it. I hope you hear it. You got to do it God's way. It just got to be done God's way. Glory to God. Glory to God. You got to do it God's way. The apostles were never authorized to teach you a different way. And that was not the intent of Romans chapter 10. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, no, no. No, 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 no. 
That was part of it. And when you look at Acts chapter 22, 16, and you see that, and now why tarriest thou arise and be what? Baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. It wasn't just confession and belief. You had to be obedient to what God said. Except a man be born of the water of the spirit, he shall in no wise inherit. The king, you're not getting in. And finally, Acts 2.36 brings it all home. What do you need to do to tie it all together? Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? That's the equivalent of saying, what must I do to be saved? Look at this verse 30. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and unto your children. And to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So what do I have to do? I got to repent of my sins. Got to change my mind about what I've been doing and the way I've been living. Glory to God. I got to believe that gospel first and foremost. Because faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You got to hear that gospel and you got to believe it. Then you got to repent. Then you got to go down in water. Is it the water itself? Nope. It's God's response to the, your act of obedience to the process of water. Glory to God. And then he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 Glory to God. We praise the Lord for this opportunity. I know this was a was a long one and it was intended to be a long one because I wanted to share these scriptures and go through this with you. You take this at your at at just just take it a little bit at a time and go through it. Amen. And pray. Amen. Amen. And if you've already gone through the process. And all you did though was just Romans and you have not been baptized and you have not been filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not done. You got to go back. You got to go back. Glory to God, you got to go back. You got to do that. Well, Brother Walker, I don't think I, I, need, I need to do that. You know what? I was baptized in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Listen, nobody in the in the no, nobody ever baptized in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, literally. Nobody ever did that. And when the Lord was telling them that in Acts in, in uh uh in, in Matthew 28, he wasn't telling them to do that literally. 
but to know that you got to go to the book of Acts and see how they carry, how did they apply what the Lord told them to do? They baptized in the name of Jesus Christ or the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the only way they ever baptized. Never in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The whole purpose of this lesson is to take you back to the middle of the road, take you right back to the Bible. You got to do it the way the Bible said, well, Brother Walker, I don't think I really need to do all that. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, after all, I mean, they baptized me in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I think that, that that's good enough. Hold on. Well, let's see what the Bible, uh, let's see what the Bible has to say about that. Acts 19, starting at verse one. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, we, we have not even so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. In other words, we don't even know such thing as the Holy Ghost and all those other kinds of things. He said, and he said unto them, unto what were you baptized? What were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. That is Christ on that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, look at what they did. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when, when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. You might ask and say, I don't think I really need to do it all over again. But what did that Bible say? Well, Bible shows you here in the book of Acts. Then when believers found out who had already been baptized, that they hadn't done it the way the Bible said do it, they went and got rebaptized. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's as simple as this. Whatever the Lord said do, you got to do it. Don't get so smart and hyper intelligent and caught up in your degrees and in your thises and in your thats that you ain't no earthly good using your reason and your logic. Let me tell you something. You, you ain't going to be able to reasonably explain nor logically explain why you end up in hell. It ain't going to make no good sense. Do it the way the Bible says do it. Go back to your church and tell the preacher you want to be baptized again and I'll this time in the name I want and when you do it I want you to just say the name of Jesus just do that stop adding stuff and let me tell you what some of them if they especially if they don't baptize that way they're going to tell you oh well you don't need to do that you don't need to do uh, -uh. don't take no for an answer don't take no for an answer do what the bible says do and when you do that, you will, real, you will receive what the Bible says you can have. The gift of the Holy Ghost. God bless you. You have a good one.